Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, July 7th, and we start, as always, with local news. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee and Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Stuart McWhorter announced last week 10 new site development grant recipients, including Murray County's Industrial Development Board. The Industrial Development Board of Murray County will receive $100,000 for due diligence studies on the Innovation Campus site. Located in Spring Hill, the Innovation Campus is 330 acres of open land, ideally located and well-suited for a corporate headquarters or business park, according to Murray Alliance's website. This site is a unique asset for our community, as it was the vision of the Murray County Industrial Development Board to secure the property to be utilized for new and diversified types of economic development projects to create jobs for Murray County citizens, such as research and development, office, and corporate locations. We understand that this is a strategic, long-term economic development play and commend the IDB for their vision and foresight with this project, said Will Evans, president of Murray County Chamber and Economic Alliance. When the site was originally acquired by the IDB, initial due diligence was performed to ensure the site was developable, such as soil reports, environmental reports, etc. These new funds from the Tennessee Economic and Community Development will be utilized to offset costs associated with additional due diligence, focusing more on how to best develop the site infrastructure, such as traffic flow and utilities, he said. The grants, totaling approximately $5.9 million, are designed to help communities invest in infrastructure and engineering improvements to land economic development projects and achieve select select Tennessee site certification. We're committed to providing rural communities with the resources needed to support continued investment and create quality jobs for Tennesseans, Governor Lee said in a press statement. I thank the General Assembly for partnering with us to fund these 10 additional industrial sites and look forward to the economic growth and opportunity that will result from these projects, he said. The Site Development Grant Program, part of the Rural Economic Opportunity Act, works in tandem with Tennessee Economic and Community Development Select Tennessee Program. Since 2016, TNECD has awarded 153 site development grants across the state, totaling more than $60 million in assistance to local communities and generating approximately 6,400 new jobs for Tennesseans. The latest round of the site development program will bring 10 Tennessee communities one step closer to achieving select Tennessee site certification, said Commissioner McWhorter. Shovel-ready sites are in high demand, and through this program, we are working with local leadership across the state to bring this needed infrastructure to every community, he said. Applications were reviewed by an advisory committee made up of TNECD, Austin Consulting, the Tennessee Valley Authority, Tennessee Department of Economic and Con- uh, I'm sorry, Environment and Conservation, and Tennessee Department of Transportation. Each application was supported by the community senator and representatives in the Tennessee General Assembly. Kids Helping Kids, a children's ministry from First United Methodist Church in Columbia, recently gave Sleep in Heavenly Peace nonprofit $500 to help with two beds for children ages 3 to 17 who do not have them. Representatives from the group spoke about child bedlessness. Sleep in Heavenly Peace is a group of volunteers dedicated to building, assembling, and delivering beds to children in need in Columbia and surrounding areas. They believe in sharing the need with the community and then providing ways for the community to help meet that need. 
Sleep in Heavenly Peace began in October of 2022 and has delivered more than 100 beds. Each bed costs about $250 for the wood, hardware, mattress, pillow, and bedding. All must be new and are delivered to the children in need in the community. Their motto is, no kid sleeps on the floor in our town. Sleep in Heavenly Peace will be having another bed build on August 12th at the Skillington Barn in Murray County Park behind the Senior Citizen Center. Volunteers wanting to help should be there by 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. News of the Mule House Music Venue's current move toward filing for bankruptcy has made waves through Columbia and the surrounding community, leaving many people wondering about the future of the popular establishment in downtown. Originally, the Mule House had planned to hold a liquidation auction seeking new investors to take a stake in the business. However, the June 26th auction was ultimately canceled once founders Blair and Eric Garner decided the best decision moving forward would be to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. While this gave a glimpse into what's been happening behind the scenes, it was only a fraction of the real Mule House story, according to founder Blair Garner. Garner said, well, a word like bankruptcy might conjure all kinds of thoughts and speculation, it could ultimately be just a chapter in the Mule House's story for many years to come. Ultimately, with little details, Blair's message to Mule House patrons and future patrons amid the response to the impending filing is, hold on. There's a lot of smoke in the air right now, which can seem really disturbing, Blair Garner said. So much of that smoke was created by the fastest mode of transportation known to man, the gossip bandwagon. Yes, it's the fastest, but it's also the least reliable, he said. Though Garner didn't go into too much detail regarding the decision to file for bankruptcy, other than there was an issue with the bank we weren't able to resolve, he said the solution moving forward will require a combination of hard work, community support, and prayer. With his guiding hand, he has led us to an incredible plan for moving forward. He has even provided us with the financial backing to fully execute that plan, Garner said. We're merely using our time out to finalize the necessary paperwork. In the end, the Mule House will now realize its full vision at a greatly expedited pace, he said. Garner added that he and Eric will remain the Mule House owners during this time and beyond. Blair insists that shows will go on in the present and future, including most recent bookings, he says, are exciting, like country music icon Tanya Tucker. Most recently, the Mule House announced Tanya Tucker will be performing a special Kiss Breast Cancer Goodbye concert on Sunday, October 1st, benefiting the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Other upcoming Mule House events include First Fridays After Dark on July 7th, Vinyl Radio on July 8th, Laurel Canyon Band celebrating the music of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young on July 13th, followed by Resurrection, a journey tribute, on July 14th. July will then wrap up with country hitmaker Tracy Bird on July 22nd and the Beatles tribute band Forever Abbey Road on July 28th. For a full schedule of upcoming events or to purchase tickets, visit www.themulehouse.com. Murray County's Regional Planning Commission continued its ongoing efforts to update the Unified Development Plan with a lengthy discussion on rural development last week. At a work session on June 29th, the selected subcommittee looked for ways to balance the continuing growth in Murray County with a desire to maintain the rural feel in unincorporated areas of the county. Much of the discussion centered on redefining the current zoning designations of areas in the county. The county's zoning ordinances were adopted in 1985, and while they have been amended since then, those amendments have made the current code difficult to interpret at times, according to MurrayCountyUnifiedDevelopmentPlan.com. 
In addition, the county's subdivision regulations have not been significantly updated since 2009. Building Director Robert Calderero indicated after the meeting that planners were hoping to have their task completed in the spring of 2024. All recommendations will have to be approved by the Planning Commission and the County Commission before taking effect. What are we trying to do now to enhance what we're doing now to make it better? That's what we're trying to sell, Vice Chairman Randall Webster asked the group prior to discussions. Committee member David Horvath presented the group with an option to combine the county's current agricultural forestry designation, or A1, and rural residential, A2 and A2A, into one zoning district. Under current zoning, A1 requires residential lots to be at least two acres in size, while A2 allows for one-acre residential lots. In preparing the presentation, Horvath said he took examples from Beaufort County, South Carolina, South Bend, Indiana, and Nolansville to create proposed changes. We don't want it to feel like a subdivision going down Carter's Creek, and we've got a large lot. We want it to be traditional, historical, matching the feel, Horvath said. The committee agreed to recommend allowing one-acre lots to the newly defined district, which was given the name Residential Rural for proposed purposes of the meeting. Chairman Harold Delk said he felt the smaller definition was appropriate, as most of the county falls under that definition currently. If we don't go down to one acre, we have taken away rights of a majority of the county. I think we've got to maintain that, Delk said. The newly defined residential rural district would, if ultimately approved, apply to single lots and would have a time limit between subdividing the property, lest it become subject to subdivision regulations. Those would be covered under two other proposed districts, which Horvath called Residential General and Residential Neighborhood. The committee approved recommendations for Residential General that would allow for large lot subdivisions, defined as no smaller than one acre. Residential Neighborhood would allow for lots as small as one-third of an acre, but would also require that a defined portion of the property be preserved as green space. It's to give the developer options. You can put in more properties, but you have to give back something, or you can have bigger lots. I think we win on both ends, Webster said of the two subdivision proposals. This would effectively help protect the rural community, Calderero agreed. That's the only way we're going to protect Murray County. People are moving here because we don't have a state income tax. People are going to move here in droves because they can develop cheap. The subcommittee will meet again on July 13th and July 20th to continue discussions on updates to the Unified Development Plan before presenting its current ideas to the full Regional Planning Commission at its July 24th meeting. A $4 million purchase by the school system of land near Carter's Creek Road for construction of a North Columbia elementary school received somewhat begrudging approval from the Murray County Commission at its June 20th meeting. The purchase was approved by a 14-4 vote with one abstention after commissioners raised concerns over traffic flow in the area and the cost. Honestly, I'm feeling bullied that we can't have discussion, that we can't have a good conversation about our constituents that are reaching out to us that are concerned about light safety, public safety, fiduciary duty, said Commissioner Gabe Howard. We are a funding body. We don't want to be the micromanager of the school's budget, but we're sitting here having a funding conversation, he said. I'm already getting calls from neighborhoods behind that property, added Commissioner Cindy Hessler. I think anything near that can open a bridge. It's going to make a lot of kids late, and there's going to be a mess if you you do anything there, she said. 
Finance Director Doug Laconan pointed out that Murray County Schools has the funding in place and a lack of approval by the commission would likely lead to an audit finding from the Tennessee Comptroller's office. The school board has already voted this through. They're They're going to do it, he said. They've got everything lined up. If we don't amend the budget, expenditures exceed budget, he said. A vote to kill this does not kill this. We cannot stop this purchase, concurred Commission Chairman Eric Praviti. We looked at just over 15 properties. I think if I would have brought you any property, there would have been an issue, stated Superintendent of Schools Lisa Ventura. We all know the locations where the schools need to be built. We would be remiss if we built a school and have to transport kids 45 minutes to it. Ventura said the shape of the property would allow designers to place a long driveway at the new school, keeping traffic off Carter's Creek Pike. The commission also signed off on the county's 2023-24 budget in that meeting, which tops $244 million between the county and the school system. Unlike last year, this budget contains no increase in property taxes, which will remain at $1.91 per $100 of value of assessed property. Commissioners will meet again in July to give the final budget final approval after public notice is made in the local newspaper as required by state law. The county also gave its blessing to the proposal by Spring Hill to provide $55 million in tax incremental financing to Brentwood-based developer Southstar for the development of the crossings. A previous study by the Younger Group, an economic development research firm, predicted the development predicted the development, which is expected to include a United States Tennis Association regional headquarters, will bring in multi-millions of dollars in annual tax revenue. Commissioners also approved payments of $50 per meeting to the members of the Regional Planning Commission. Also approved was a resolution approving the construction of Murray County's new Judicial Center at a cost of $33,740,982. That figure came in slightly less than the original estimate. The African American Heritage Society of Murray County will continue its quarterly lecture series with the theme Democracy in America on Saturday, July 8th at 10 a.m. at the Murray County Public Library, located at 211 West 8th Street in Columbia. The speaker, Dr. LaRotha Williams, will discuss the contentious election of 1876 and the resulting Compromise of 1877, which effectively ended Reconstruction and the promise to protect the civil and political rights of the formerly enslaved. Dr. Williams is a professor of history at Tennessee State University. In addition, he coordinates the North Nashville Heritage Project, an effort to encourage a greater understanding of the history of North Nashville. His most recent publication is, I'll Take You There, Exploring North Nashville's Social Justice Sites. He is a native of Tallahassee, Florida, where he earned a doctorate in history from Florida State University. The lecture is free and open to the public. Founded in 2012, the African American Heritage Society of Murray County is a nonprofit 501c3 organization whose mission is to preserve the heritage and history of African Americans of Murray County, Tennessee. And now, your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Diane Martin Weatherford, 79, died Sunday, July 2nd at her home in Franklin, Tennessee. Graveside services for Mrs. Weatherford will be held on Friday, July 7th at 2 p.m. at Glenwood Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mr. Wayne Kathy Delk, 81, of Hermitage, Tennessee, went to be with the Lord on Wednesday, July 5th. 
Visitation for Mr. Delk will be held on Friday, July 7th from 10 a.m. until the time of the funeral service at 11 a.m. in the chapel at Hermitage Funeral Home and Memorial Gardens, located 535 Shute Lane in Old Hickory. Graveside services will be at 4 p.m. in the Delk Cemetery in Murray County, with Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home in charge of those arrangements. Mrs. Patricia Fay Ingram Holder, 68, a professional painter and resident of Pulaski, died Thursday, June 29th at Meadowbrook. A graveside service for Mrs. Holder will be conducted on Saturday, July 8th at 10 a.m. at Wilkes Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mrs. Shirley Jean Lane Cochran, 79, a retired CPA and resident of Prim Springs, died Thursday, June 29th at Life Care Center of Columbia. Funeral services for Mrs. Cochran will be conducted Saturday at 6 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. The family will visit with friends Saturday from 2 p.m. until service time at the funeral home. Graveside services will be conducted on Sunday at 12.30 p.m. at Polk Memorial Gardens. Mr. Robert Lee Rob Elliott Jr., 58, passed away unexpectedly on June 26th at his residence in Columbia. A celebration of life for Mr. Elliott will be held on Sunday, July 9th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Southern Trace Steakhouse upstairs in the Magnolia Room. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Mrs. Patricia Sewell Fitzgerald, 85, passed away Thursday, July 6th in Columbia. Graveside services for Mrs. Fitzgerald will be con- conducted on Saturday, July 15th at 11 a.m. at Sunset Hill Cemetery in the Theta community. Oaks and Nichols funeral directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help, gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies today, followed by partial clearing. The high will be 89 degrees with light and variable winds. Tonight, we can expect partly cloudy skies and a low of 67. For your weekend forecast, we will have mostly cloudy skies on both Saturday and Sunday. There's an 80% chance of rain on Saturday with thunderstorms likely. Sunday, we'll see more scattered thunderstorms. The weekend highs will be in the mid-80s. The lows will be in the mid to high 60s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. 
But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Tint on Wheels is changing their Columbia location. You can now visit us at 406 South James Campbell Boulevard, the same window tinting you've trusted for over 30 years on all types of windows, car, business, or residential. We now offer accessories to elevate your ride. It's only getting bigger and better. With three locations, Columbia, Lewisburg, and Lawrenceburg, we do our best for you. Summer's coming. Let's get you ready. Call 931-619-TINT today. This is Bob Kessling with Pat Ryan. It's a beautiful day for digging. The backhoe operator has the engine running and is moving into position. He's heading for the ground. He's in there. Wait, there's a flag on the play. Let's get out of the field for the call from our official. Illegal procedure on the digging team. Oh, that penalty could cause a costly accident. That's right, Bob. He needs to call before he digs. There's underground utility lines that could be hiding just below the surface. Water, sewer, electrical, communication lines, and even natural gas. Avoid a penalty by first calling 811 to have any underground public utility lines located and marked with flags or paint. It's free, it's easy, and it's the law. For more tips, visit pipesafety.org. This message brought to you by the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters and the Tennessee Gas Association, funded in part by a grant from the Underground Utility Damage Enforcement Board. Here we go. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. Your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. People often say they're living the dream. Jaden Ham truly is. 
The former Columbia Central pitching standout expects to hear his name called during the upcoming Major League Baseball draft, which will take place July 9th through the 11th as part of the MLB All-Star Game festivities in Seattle after establishing himself as one of the top prospects during his three-year career at Middle Tennessee State University. Ham, along with fellow Blue Raider pitcher Eric Swan, participated in the third annual MLB Draft Combine last month at Phoenix's Chase Field. During the week-long event, the 6'2", 197-pound right fielder underwent medical assess- right-hander rather, underwent medical assessments, performance testing, on-field workouts, and in-person team meetings. It was a good experience for sure, said Ham, who, after previously throwing for the Atlanta Braves at Cool Ray Field in Lawrenceville, Georgia, home of the AAA Gwinnett Stripers, met with team officials for the Astros, Blue Jays, Cubs, Diamondbacks, Mariners, Reds, Rockies, and Royals at the Combine. It's been pretty surreal. I'm just taking it all in, staying humble through the whole process, Ham said. The odds are kind of in my favor for my dream to come true, but I want to keep everything the same. Keep doing what got me to this position. That way, I'm ready when my name gets called, he said. Part of the high school graduating class of 2020 that lost the large majority of its baseball season to the global pandemic, Ham earned District 8 AAA Pitcher of the Year honors his junior year after posting a 5-3 record with a 159 earned run average and 73 strikeouts over 44 innings. At MTSU, he compiled an 11-7 career record with three saves, ascending to the coveted Friday night starter role in Conference USA play as a junior. He finished the 2023 season with 93 strikeouts and 79.2 innings, giving him 167 career punchouts and 150 innings and a 4.56 ERA over three years. The past couple of seasons helped convince Ham that his dream was within reach. Performance-wise, it kind of hit me at the end of my sophomore year, he recalled. I had four starts in a row, four quality starts. My strikeouts were up, but it really hit me as far as the overall experience this fall when I had meetings with MLB personnel every other day, where they were coming to Murfreesboro and meeting with me in the press box throughout the fall. That was pretty cool, he said. Indications are that a fastball that touches 96 miles per hour, plus a curveball, slider, and changeup, all of which he's comfortable throwing ahead or behind in the count, have him going in the first five rounds of the draft and possibly as high as the first three rounds. I think it's what I bring to the table as far as my arsenal and my work ethic, being able to go long in outings as far as a starter, and having a four-pitch mix that I can throw at any time, he said. Needing 21 hours to complete his degree in business administration, it's all but certain Ham will do that as a professional. If everything goes as planned, I'll sign, he said. But the draft is the draft. You can go where you think you'll go, or you could fall and not see it coming. The opening two rounds of the draft will take place on Sunday, with rounds 3 through 10 slated for Monday, and the final 10 rounds on Tuesday. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today, and now our final story. As the dust settles following another explosive 4th of July holiday, Columbia will keep the party rolling into another festive weekend and an event-filled First Fridays. The weekend kicks off this evening with another monthly First Fridays in downtown Columbia. Shops will be open late. Live music will be echoing throughout the downtown area, both inside and outside. Food trucks and a lot more will be on hand with main events running from 5 to 8 p.m. Just a few blocks from downtown, the Mule House, located at 812 South High Street, will host First Fridays After Dark starting at 7 p.m. The event will take place in the venue's courtyard with live music, drink specials, and tapas. Are you one of those people who missed out on prom or would like to read a redo now that you're older, wiser, but still have that sense of youth to party down? Don your best evening attire and mask up for an adult masquerade prom, which will take place starting at 6 p.m. on Saturday at the Memorial Building, located at 308 West 7th Street. The evening will start with red carpet entrance, followed by dinner, prize giveaways, and the crowning of the prom king and queen. The adult masquerade prom is for ages 35 and up, and it is a black tie affair with a dress code including formal gowns, short cocktail dresses, tuxedos, suits, and ties. And this being a masquerade, festive masks are most definitely required for the occasion. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.